All right, so this morning we're going to continue in our series in the gospel according to Mark, looking at the life and ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We've spent the last two weeks looking at an overarching theme. Uh, Two weeks ago we, we titled the sermon like the song we just sang, Lord, I Need You. And we heard from Jesus that we are to come to him like a child. Coming to him dependent, in need of him, and really having nothing to offer him but our, our yes. Then last week, Jesus continues his journey to Jerusalem, and he tells his disciples that he came to serve. We often don't think about Jesus coming to serve, but that's what he did. He came to provide for us, to bring us and provide for us what we are not capable of doing on our own. As, as sinners, Jesus is who and what we need. And because of his love for us, because of his grace toward us, he came to us because of, his, because of that love for us. He pursued us even though we sin and sin against him. He came for us and pursued us even though we walk further and further away from him. He still comes and pursues us today because he loves us and wants to restore a personal relationship with each of us and give us eternal life and then walk with us. Notice Jesus doesn't say anywhere in here, he doesn't say, be religious to earn me. Jesus doesn't say, have this much money so that you can buy my salvation, right? He makes it very clear that we have nothing to offer him but our lives and our yes. And so we come to Jesus in need of him, in need of him to serve us and provide for us what we need, right? So salvation and mercy and forgiveness and our freedom from sin and eternity, right? Our eternal life, eternity with him in heaven. And if we believe Jesus, then we must understand when he says that we can do nothing to earn any of those things. I've known some pretty religious people. I've known some pretty wealthy people. I've known some really, 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 really good people. None of us can earn those things that Jesus offers. But we can have them because of Jesus Christ. If we believe in him and his gospel and receive him and are saved. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one other. Or no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So salvation and eternal life are only available through Jesus believing in who he is, receiving his free gift of salvation, and following him. And so today, Jesus, I think Jesus really wants us to get this, and so he continues, and Mark continues in this teaching, and we're going to see a true story laid out for us, really a, a narrative laid out for us that helps us understand our situation and our everyday need for Jesus and our eternal need for Jesus and his mercy and his life. So if you have your Bibles, uh, grab your Bibles this morning. If you don't have one, there are plenty sitting on rows throughout here this morning. Two things real quick before we go on. Uh, There is a roster in your seat. If you could grab that and fill it out and hand it to the person next to you, I'd be grateful for that. It just helps us be good stewards and good shepherds to to make sure we... um, that we're attentive to, to who's here and, and updates and addresses and those types of things. And the other thing is, is I'm not sure if there's anybody here that hasn't been there. There might be a couple that have been to Pastor's Coffee. Uh, Pastor's Coffee is today uh, at 2 o'clock at my house. And so if you need my address, uh, let me know. Let my wife know and we'll get you there. But 2 o'clock today, good coffee. My wife has peach pie. Peach pie. So the less the better. No, I'm just kidding. So it's good. So... Pastor's Coffee, if you've been here, you know, a long time, you know, or whatever, and you just haven't taken that next step, come and hang out with us and learn who we are and what next steps are for you. We'd love to have you at 2 o'clock at my house. So open your Bibles, your devices, whatever it may be. If you've got Bibles on the road, it'll be up here on the screen. Um, 
and open up to Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. 46 through 52. Last week we closed out with these words from Jesus where he says this in verse 45. For even the Son of Man, being Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we saw how Jesus came to serve us. He came to suffer and die. He came to pay to pay the ransom, to pay the price for our freedom. And he came to die in our place and be our substitute and take our sins upon himself to the cross. He came to leave an example for us as well, to teach us how to love and serve others. And so as we read this text this morning, uh, we'll see Jesus serve a man desperate for him, both physically and spiritually, and he'll leave an example. Would you guys stand with us, with me? I'm only one. Would you stand with me this morning and as we honor God's word? Chapter 10, verse 46 of Mark. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When, we heard, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus, and answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, I want you to regain my sight, or Master, I want you to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he gained, regained his sight and began following Jesus, him on the road. God, we love you, we thank you for the word of God, and we thank you for being in charge today. God, I have been encouraged as I've just studied this message and reminded of how good you are. And I pray, God, today we would all walk out closer to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And part of his journey took him through a city called Jericho. Every time I read the name Jericho, I wanted to sing the song, Joshua fought the battle up. No? I'm the only one. Okay. All right. So we got some. All right. So, but in those days, there were actually two cities of Jericho. We have two old, we have the, we have the ancient city of Jericho and we have the new Herodian city of Jericho and Jesus's path took him through these places and this new Jericho, it was a, it was an oasis. It was a major city. Many wealthy people had homes in this area. You read commentaries on this area, and it will say that people would have a, a way to get away. So you'd have some really rich and, and, and famous and powerful people that had places here. Uh, plus, there's going to be a whole lot of people from people traveling up to Jerusalem. So there's quite the crowd. And as we look at this passage and read this story, we see a man with both a physical and spiritual condition, a spiritual situation. Spiritually, we're going to see more of this later, but prior to this moment, prior to our text today, this man doesn't know Jesus personally. He, as his Savior, he was lost in his sin. So spiritually, he's without Christ, he's without salvation, he's without forgiveness, and we would say that he was spiritually dead. We'll talk more about that as we go, but needless, needless to say, spiritually, this man was in a desperate situation, unable to save himself. But when we see him physically, he was in a desperate situation as well. We see in verse uh, 46 that Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus had a large crowd following him. And so when they're traveling, it says in verse 46, uh, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. 
Bartimaeus was in a desperate situation. I think I could easily say, maybe not, but I I think I could easily say, and I would assume that each of us in this room have had a desperate situation in our life. Maybe your health. I found out this week an old friend from high school. She got married last year. She's 35 years old. Um, Got married just this past year. Started planning and trying for a family, and she reached out just asking for prayer. And she used the word, I got devastating news. I have breast cancer. And it's not good. She's devastated. So maybe your health. It may be your marriage. Maybe maybe it's been tough. Maybe your marriage has been tough. Satan has been attacking and you find yourself desperate for resolution in, in, in that marriage. Maybe it's financially or a job situation. One of those have left you desperate. Maybe working with foster care, being a us working with foster care, being foster parents, man, we see desperate a lot we see desperate situations in lives of these kiddos we see them in the families we see them even with foster families that are trying to come alongside we see desperate scenarios we have many things in our life real life scenarios that leave us desperate amen church it's just there many times doing all we can do seeking all the help we can seek and still desperate and begging for help often feeling like no one is hearing us Church, there are people outside of these walls that are desperate, but there are people sitting right here, maybe next to you right now, that are a part of our church family that have been or are currently in desperate places. And this man, he is desperate. Verse 52, it says that he regained his sight. So more than likely, he had had sight at one point, born with good vision, and lost it at some point earlier in his life. More than likely, he had reached out for medical help. More than likely, he did everything that he could to regain his sight and to keep his job and do all that stuff. But he finds himself sitting along the road begging for money as an outcast in society. Remember in their culture, just like with children, if you can't contribute to society, you don't have value in society. Right? They didn't have medic. Are you with me? They don't have government subsidies, those types of things. So they they didn't have much value. We, we, We still see this today. Right? You can't drive anywhere in Tucson without seeing someone in a desperate situation. Situations that people are on the side of a, of a busy road asking for help. I got to know a couple pretty well named Chris and Holly. Uh, that were in a desperate situation. Times were already tough for them. Health issues uh, came about and they spent all they had and eventually lost everything they had. I wouldn't have known any of that in their situation. I probably just would have had a thought about them, but, but I got out of my truck one day and I just enjoyed getting out of my truck on a regular basis when I saw them and praying with them on the side of the road and trying to encourage them and help out where we can. Many of you guys have, have done that as well. Church in life, we... We find ourselves in desperate situations. Sometimes it's on our own doing. Sometimes it's just the situation that we land in. Maybe like this beggar, everyone can see that you're desperate. Or maybe no one knows that you are desperate. News came out yesterday, a pastor in uh, California, um, good solid pastor, a good preacher. People loved him and he shared a little bit of his story, but nobody knew how deep his story was and he took his life yesterday. People, whether, whether people can see it or not, people, there's, there's desperate situations. So Bartimaeus was on the side of the road asking all of these wealthy people and travelers. He said, man, will you, will you help me? 
Verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Remember, Jesus was traveling not only with his 12, but also with this large crowd. And when he would come into a city, he has the crowd that's already with him. But then now he's got a a crowd that gathers around him. And this man, he can't see visually, but he hears that Jesus is there. People in this region would have known or heard of Jesus, but this man doesn't stop there. This man, he believes, he shows that he believes Jesus to be more than just a special guest to their town, more than a powerful figure or just a great teacher. And he cried out to him saying, Jesus, son of David. That's a big deal. When he calls him that, when he calls him the son of David, he's using a messianic title, which means this, he's calling him the Messiah. The Christ, the Savior, right? Because the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, we're all going to be part of the line or the lineage of David. He's saying, I believe, right, that you are the son of David. And so this man was calling out to Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. And he cries out with a loud voice, with desperation, Jesus, have mercy on me. To have mercy on someone, it means to help someone that is afflicted. To help someone that is seeking aid or to bring them help. And in this man's case, it was a plea out of hopelessness. A cry out in faith for Jesus, the Savior, to heal him. Just think about this for a second. We get to contrast figures in Scripture. This man has no vision, but he sees Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we had the rich young ruler, the rich young man that comes to Jesus and, and he comes to him and he's got all of these things. He's got, he's religious, he's, he's got money and wealth and resources, got all this stuff. He's got a place in society and he comes to Jesus and said, how can I inherit eternal life? Even with perfect eyesight, he was blinded to who Jesus really was and his need for him and Jesus to be Lord of his life because of the things that were on the throne of his heart and blinding his vision. But this man really had nothing left, recognizing his situation. He doesn't allow anything to blind him from seeing Jesus and who he really is. And so desperately, he cries out for Jesus. And whether it's spiritually or physically, we often, just think about this in ourselves, we often act like there's nothing wrong. We want to appear as though everything is great, right? We, we, we're struggling and desperate inside, but to the world it looks like we are okay. This man was past all of that, right? This man couldn't hide it anymore if he wanted to. His situation was for all to see. Now, he still could have been proud, right? He could have still said, man, I've got this. But he was aware and he was honest and knew he was desperate and that he needed help. So it may be physically or mentally or emotionally or maybe spiritually, but church, this is the thing. As we walk through our life, we must be aware and honest of our current situation. It's the first on your notes this morning on the back of your bulletin if you choose to fill that out. Be aware and honest of your current situation. This man, he, he's, he's, he's obviously blind. He's obviously aware of his blindness. He's obviously aware of his lack of money and resources. He's obviously aware of his place in society. He's also aware that he and others are unable to help him. And so now unable to work and unable to be active and a contributing part of his community, he is aware that he is now sitting in, on the road, on the side of the road and begging. When we walk through tough times, be honest. 
be aware about where you are and your need for help and your need for Jesus. Spiritually, think about this. Too often, it isn't until we've tried everything, until we run out of every option or come to a place where there's absolutely nothing that anyone else can do. It's at that point that we finally seek God. I remember being at my great uncle's bedside. He was 93 years old. And by the way, that's young for the men in my family. Had an uncle. His brother lived to be 107. 93 years old, he's on his deathbed. And my grandpa and my uncle and my dad had had been sharing Jesus with him for years. But he kept ignoring it. He kept pushing it off and he kept avoiding it. But I remember being by his his side when, when my dad brought up his eternity. And Uncle Ray finally... I think at this point, two days before he died, said, I think I need Jesus. And he got saved. I don't. Here's the thing. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. We don't know if we've got 93, 107, or 50 years. Are you with me? We don't, we don't know what we have. We can't save ourselves. And really, when you think it's the same thing that Jesus has been saying all along. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation. Right? We are in a place where we need Jesus and what he brings spiritually. Church, we are in a desperate situation without Jesus. Right? So, so, we, so we come to him out of, that, out of that desperation physically, emotionally this morning. It's not just about spiritually this morning. You may be in a desperate situation. My encouragement for you this morning is bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Bring your spiritual desperation to Jesus and your physical and emotional desperation to Jesus. So Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus to have mercy on him. Verse 48, many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd was proud. A lot to be proud of in that community. The city was proud. There were, now, now there's a special famous guest in town and they're rebuking him sternly telling him to be quiet and by the way this isn't translated as hey keep it down over there right this was a harsh rebuke toward one that they saw with no value one commentator translated it this way he says if i was going to translate it it would be this way shut up you fool you are embarrassing us but what does what does brother bart do right he kept on crying out it says all the more that means To a greater degree. So he's crying out even louder now, shouting over the crowds. Jesus, son of David, right? Jesus, Messiah, Savior, have mercy on me. He's crying out over all these crowds that are trying to hush him. And then we see verse 49. And Jesus stopped. Let's sink in for a second. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Then after being told to to shut up and be quiet and stop and move along, he shouts out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's saying, Jesus, I need you spiritually and physically. I need you, Savior. And Jesus stopped. Let me paint a picture here for us all. Jesus came. He's the gospel, the good news that we needed. He came to be Emmanuel, God with us, right? He calls us. Just think about this picture. He calls us to turn from sin, right? Turn away from the ways of the world. Turn away from having all the answers. Turn away from yourself. And Jesus says, turn to me as Lord. Believe in me. Receive my gift to you. Receive salvation. Receive my love and my forgiveness. 
He constantly says, come and follow me. He says, be with me. He tells us, I have come to restore a relationship that your sin destroyed. I have come to make that new. I've come to make you new. Come and be with me and follow me. And somehow we get this picture that the big guy upstairs, by the way, please don't call him that. Amen, church, right? But we get this idea that the big guy upstairs has a bunch going on and he's too busy or too concerned with everything and he's not paying attention. Now let's go back to this picture. Here we see Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. And he's got a lot on his plate. He's going to be betrayed. Jesus is going to suffer. He's going to take your sin and my sin upon him. He is going to be beaten. He is going to be hung on the cross. His nails, in, 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 there's going to be nails in his wrists and in his feet. He will be spit upon. He will be, his flesh will be torn. And then he will die. And Jesus is fully aware of all of that. He knows it's going to happen. What's even crazier, church, is that he is walking towards it. I think we can say that Jesus has a lot on his mind. We could probably say if there was, if there were sin, there's no sin in Jesus, but if he was like us, he might even want to enjoy all the attention and fanfare before he goes through that. But God is a personal God that even in this moment, he is calling people to a personal relationship with him. And even with all the noise, he hears the cry out to him. He hears a cry out for mercy. He hears a cry out for Jesus to serve this man and provide for him. Even with everyone telling this man to shut up, Jesus hears this man's cry out to the Savior. And Jesus stopped. Let that sink in. This isn't a rich man. This, this isn't a religious man that we know of. He stops For a blind man, a man with nothing to his name, a social outcast, a beggar filthy on the side of the road. But he doesn't view Bartimaeus as a distraction like the crowd saw him. He sees this man and he stopped for him. Jesus sees this man and he sees his faith in who Jesus is. He sees a man that is aware and honest with his current situation. Spiritually dead and bound for hell and he is desperate. Physically blind, begging, and desperate. Jesus sees and hears his faith, and he stops. Church, this is why Jesus came. Because he cares. Who needs to hear that this morning? I need to hear it this week. Jesus cares. He cares about you right here and now. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your family. He cares about your finances. He cares about your schooling. He cares about your future. He cares about your job. He cares about all of that. He cares about your health. He cares about your foster care situation. He cares about your upcoming move. He cares about you personally. And he cares about your eternity. Which means he cares about your sin and your eternal punishment. He cares about where you will spend eternity and the life that you will live before you get there. He cares about you and your relationship with Him. He cares about you right here and right now and your eternity. And church, let me tell you, He hears your prayer. He hears your cry and He stops. It's a good example for us as well. Let's hear this as a church. To stop and see others 
to have compassion for others, to hear them and help them. But Jesus, I have a lot on my plate. I have a lot on my mind. But Jesus stopped. He's not too busy. And we can have faith in him. We can have faith in who he is. We can have faith in his promises. We can have faith in every word that he says. And we can have faith in what he brings to us. Church, we can have faith in Jesus when he calls us to follow him. We can have faith in Jesus when he says, give me your life. We can have faith in Jesus when he says, I'm, I'm it. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We can have faith in Jesus. And this man, he has faith in Jesus and he showed it. Verse 49, and Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Once we are aware of our situation physically and spiritually and we're honest about it, We cry out to God, and when others try to deter you, when others say He can't hear you, He doesn't care, He's too busy for you. When we seek God and and others tell us to just shut it, right? we respond by having bold and persistent faith, church. We respond by having bold and persistent faith. This man, he's calling out to Jesus, and he's being rebuked by others, but he wasn't intimidated. He resisted the crowds keeping him from Jesus and he was persistent in pursuing Jesus. And I love this. Look what happens. It says Jesus called for him. Verse 50, throwing aside his cloak. I want a cloak. Can you give me a cloak? Anybody have a cloak in here? I just want a cloak. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Church, he put his faith into action. He knew who to call for. I think we missed something in the Greek here. I think it says that he went to Twitter first. I think he said he checked with his bestie or his girlfriend or whatever whatever people say. I don't know. Is bestie a thing? Is bestie a thing? Do people say bestie? Yeah, yeah. No, this man knew who to call for. And he was persistent in that. He heard Jesus and he threw off his cloak. He jumped up and came to Jesus. Maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you've never placed your faith and your trust and your life in Jesus. Let me tell you, he sees you. He hears you. Right? He loves you. And he died for you. So are you going to be honest and aware of your situation and saying, Jesus, I can't do this without you. I'm bound for hell without you. I need you to save me. Will you look to Jesus, the Savior, for salvation? Will you finally say, I can't do this on my own? Will you hear his words, come and follow me and believe in him? And we throw off anything in your way, ignoring all voices and, and, and all, the, all the voices of the world, all the crowds, and just jump up and throw it all off and come to Jesus. Maybe you've been saved, maybe you've known Christ, maybe for five seconds or maybe for most of your life. Maybe you know Jesus as your Savior, but you're not walking with Him. Maybe you've strayed. Maybe you're struggling, struggling spiritually. And it might, not be, it might not even be obvious to those that are around you, but you know. I walk the walk. I, but I, are you with me? But, I'm, but, but it's not real within me. Like, if you're honest and aware, you would call out to Jesus and others that love Jesus and jump up and make a line for Jesus. 
Put your faith into action, church. Don't worry about what society thinks about you or what anybody else says. Bring whatever it is to God this morning, like Bartimaeus did. Jump up and eagerly come to Jesus. Verse 51, And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi or, or Master, I want to regain my sight. Jesus asked Bart, let's call, can we call him Bart? Brother Bart, a question that's going to help him express his motive and his heart and his desire. Here's a question that we can ask. If Jesus were standing here this morning and he asked you this question, what do you want me to do for you? What would we say? What would our heart's desire be? What do you want from Jesus? That's a great question. Wake up. What do I want from Jesus this morning? Go to bed. What do I want from Jesus tomorrow? Right? What, what, are you with me? That's a great question. What do I want from Jesus? And he responds to Jesus confidently. He says, I want to regain my sight, meaning recover my vision. Help me see Jesus, right? Help me see a desperate man with a desperate plea, both physically due to his vision and, 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 and physical situation and spiritually. And we know that based on him calling out to Jesus as the son of David, the promised one, the Messiah, the Savior. And Jesus responds in verse 52. He says this, and Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Jesus is worthy of your faith in him. And this man put his faith in Jesus, and Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Here's what he means. Your faith in me. Your faith in who I am. Your faith in Jesus has made you well. Now the word well or that phrase, made you well, comes from the Greek. It speaks of both a physical healing and a spiritual healing. Bartimaeus not only got his eyesight back, but he also got a new heart. He got a new relationship with Jesus Christ, and spiritually, his eyes were open. To be made well carries the meaning to be saved or made whole. That's, that, that's the definition in, in the Greek of that, that to be saved and made whole. John MacArthur says that Jesus is saying this, Your faith in me has saved you. That his physical and spiritual eyes were opened at the same time. And the outward healing reflected the inward wellness of his salvation. Brother Bart was healed physically and he was saved. In one moment, Bartimaeus' life was changed. With his renewed sight, and most importantly, with a new heart, spiritually. Now don't get me wrong, our physical needs are important, but spiritually, our physical needs last for, in my family, you know, got an uncle that was 107, right? Maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years, whatever it is, but what, where, where are you at eternally? He has a new heart, spiritually. And for us as a church, as we, we you, you need to know this, like we pray and we know God hears us. Amen? Man, we pray and we know God hears us. We pray for those that are in desperate situations. We pray for those that are hurting. We pray for those that are physically not well. We pray for those that are spiritually not well. Meaning that, that if you don't know Jesus, I'm just telling you, man, if you don't know Jesus, you have been prayed for this week. 
And as your pastor, let me encourage you this morning, we must be praying for one another. Physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, whatever it is, but spiritually, praying for healing for others, praying for others that are hurting emotionally or in other ways. And, and don't, and, and hear me, don't just say or post, hey, I'm praying for you. No, you're not. Sometimes, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to just type that in there. Let them know you care. Let your brothers and sisters right here know that you love them. Pray with them. And there's power in that. Pray for those that need Jesus, those that are desperately in need of salvation from Jesus. Pray for those that don't know him, with, with, that, that they would see their spiritual situation as nothing to wait on, but to see it as being desperate. Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't come because it was just some way you could get to heaven. He came because we were desperate for him. He gave his life and he was wounded and, 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 he, and he suffered and died because you were desperate. Whether we want to admit it or not. That's why Jesus came, because we're desperate. And we pray that in our church that those that don't know Jesus would understand that they're, that they're in a desperate situation spiritually. And they would give their life to Jesus. And the last note this morning is just along that. Be aware and be honest of your situation. Have bold and persistent faith. And church, believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. Man, we put our faith in all sorts of funky believers. I mean, uh, leaders, don't we? Man, we're just like, man, I'm going to vote for this guy because he'll do this. No, they're not. They're people. They're sinners. We can trust and believe Jesus. After this man was healed and received his sight, it says this. Immediately, he regained his sight and began following him, Jesus, on the road. This is a picture that he becomes a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to continue on the road to Jerusalem to suffer and die. And Brother Bart, right? We don't see him running around and enjoying his new eyesight. I'm sure he did. But he did it as he immediately followed Jesus. We don't see him celebrating. I'm sure he did. But he does it as he immediately follows Jesus. He believed Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He heard Jesus call to come to him. Right? Jesus says, call him here. He heard Jesus call him and he responded and believed in Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, he believed in his promises. He believed in his words. He believed in who he was. He believed what Jesus said about his eternity. He believed in his need for Jesus and how salvation. And he believed in Jesus and he followed him, church. I've said this a lot. Jesus doesn't save us so we keep our butts on the bleachers. Amen? Man, let's get after it. Spend time with Jesus and then be used by Jesus. Here's the question. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe Jesus this morning? If you are a Christian, are you still believing Jesus? Does your life reflect that you believe Him? Are you still believing that He is there with you, whatever it is that you're walking through? Do you believe that He's good? Do you believe that He's worthy? Are you still believing Jesus with things like your resources and your finances and your family and your job and your schooling and your decisions? So let's respond by seeing where we are.
where are we at spiritually in whatever area of our life we're walking through. Having faith and being bold and persistent in our faith, regardless of what others say to do, regardless of whatever our fears are. Respond by believing in Jesus. Take whatever it is to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Throw off whatever it is in the way and jump up and go to Jesus. This is not a, okay, I'm just going to casually follow Jesus. Man, he just chucks that cloak thing aside, right? Old Navy cloak, right? And just chucks it aside and he just runs to Jesus. And Jesus, he hears you. He stops for you. He cares for you. He sees you're desperate. And he's good. And he's proven himself to be good. Let's pray.